Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on Cyberay.it using the discount code PODCAST. In this special episode of the Cyberay Podcast, we bring you the COVID Chronicles. Hosting this series is Brian Dykstra, the CEO of Atlantic Data Forensics, who will be joined by guests from across the industry about how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting them. In this episode, we will hear from Matt Dunlop, the CISO of Under Armour, Jim Meyer, the Managing Director for Coordinated Response, and Colonel Tanya Estes, Professor at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Uh, Okay, welcome to the second uh, episode of the Atlantic uh, Data Forensics COVID Chronicles, uh, episode two. We made it a whole two weeks, Um, so we're doing well. Uh, With me today, I have an illustrious cast of folks here, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with uh, Jim Meyer. Hi, I'm Jim Meyer. I'm the Managing Director of Coordinated Response. We help our clients develop a coordinated response to cyber threats. Um, We operate mostly at the governance level, reviewing policies, doing security and risk assessments, uh, helping with contingency plans, uh, but we do get down in the weeds when we're doing a review. So I look forward to talking with you this morning. All right, I'm uh, Matt Dunlop. I'm the Chief Chief Information Security Officer at Under Armour. We make shirts and shoes, (laughs) as well as we have a uh, connected fitness line of business, which a lot of you are familiar with, the Met My Fitness and My Fitness Pal, uh, et cetera. and uh, that's uh, pretty much it. All right, and Matt jumped out of line, but you know, Colonel, you're next. I didn't know what the line was. You jumped out of line. Right to left, can't. I know directions. him. So I'm uh, Colonel Tanya Estes. I'm in civilian clothes today. I am the core program director for the Department of Electrical Engineering and Computer Science at the United States Military Academy. And a no kidding attack helicopter pilot. So. That is true. The only bummer is that we don't have any Apaches stationed here at West Point. So my flying nowadays has been confined to civilian flying, which I do as well. So, but yeah, I, I miss the Apache. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Anybody that's ever seen one of those eat a tank, it's a, it's a nice thing. All right. So uh, straight up here, we'll just start from the top of the questions. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Jim. But, um, you know, so you're in the the planning, you're you're in the planning of other people's disasters or recoveries from disasters, uh, things like that. Um, hopefully, a bunch of the folks that you help plan actually, you know, saw this coming. Um, I don't know a whole lot of my clients that had pandemic in their IR plan, but a few of them actually did, and a few of them had actually tested it over the years. Um, so it is a workable thing. But why don't you go ahead and tell me what's going on in your industry and with your company and everything else? Sure. Um, well, a lot of what we do involves interviewing uh, um, or employees of the organization, reviewing documents, uh, sometimes getting a demo of a firewall rule set. So, so we can do all of that remotely. Um, but one of our clients was planning to start a response plan program with us, and they want to defer it until we're there in person. And sometimes that does help. I mean, you can actually understand the culture better if you're there in person. We were supposed to be in Chicago on May 16th, but on Thursday before that, the client closed their office entirely, and we started doing the interviews and, and document sharing remotely. And March 16th? They're up and running, and they have been the entire time doing security assessment, a risk assessment, and they're still managing the work what they have to do for their members and their clients. Hmm. 
So what about the rest of your clients? Uh, you know, did, did some of them have that as part of their plans? So they already tested that and they moved you know, forward it, with it? That's a good question. Um, and, and I know that a lot of them have, you know, half half their staff working remotely now. So they've been able to respond. I think the big angst we all have is, are the remote access secure enough? And in fact, one client literally had us consult with their their service provider as they migrated to remote access and then strengthen the security of that remote access. So, so most of our clients seem to be responding well. Matt, Colonel, do you guys have any problems with the security of your remote access during the startup? We, we had several clients that, that they were not prepared for their entire workforce to go remote. They, 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 the one client had to make some adjustments and, and uh, for certain people who really never had remote, never used remote access, but uh, I haven't heard of any problems, so they, they seem to be doing well. And when we have access to our client sites, it's very secure. So we, we you know, they, VPN and, and uh, virtual machines. Gotcha. Any comments in there? So I, I, you know, I'll just say that, you know, um, we strangely, not, I don't know, strangely, I guess, we made some good security choices early on that, uh, it really helped us. Um, we had taken a zero trust approach from our for our entire infrastructure um, a couple of years back, and uh, which really helped streamline the the transition to work from home uh, for us. Uh, you know, it really, it wasn't so much do we have the technology in place to work from home. Um, most of the stuff we've been dealing with is um, just just building te- trusted technology. I mean, um, it, it took a while to, con- to help people understand that. You know, it's not WebEx that's failing. It's the fact that you have a, you know, a 28 modem connected to your uh, house for internet, you know, or, or whatever. So, um, you know, and then there was also a, a, a brief run in the beginning of, uh, of, of, you know, random work from home apps that people discovered um, that thought that would be better than the corporate approved tools that we had in place. And so we, once we, once we were able to kind of get everybody to trust in the technology and, and, and just get comfortable working from home. Cause for a lot of people, this was the first time they'd ever really worked from home. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, a couple months later, it's a whole different, uh, you know, um, situation where everyone's, uh, uh, really embracing it and everyone's trusting the technology and, and it's, it's, you know, it's become the new norm for us. And for us, we actually really lucked out. Um, just gosh, this past year we transitioned from, the Defense Research and Engineering Network, which uh, we traditionally have been on, also known as the DREN, uh, which allowed us to have some freedom uh, as a military organization, because normally a lot of sites would not have been able to be accessed in a typical military um, military network. Uh, we moved from the DREN to a Office 365 using an open network. The big thing that we do, of course, is we still require VPN login, um, you know, a VPN tunnel for pretty much everything that we're doing that has to be behind any kind of protection. So that was already in place. And then again, it, we didn't know this was coming, but my gosh, the fact that we had transitioned to 365 actually worked out really well. Everybody's been able to use, um, we've been using MS Teams for a lot of meetings. And when we're dealing with cadets, we're primarily using Blackboard Collaborate or Canvas. And uh, it's been actually pretty straightforward. Now, luckily, I'm, I'm from the department that, that deals with this. I'm a computer scientist. Right. So delivering content to the cadets uh, remotely 
was new for us, but not as challenging as I think it was for some departments. I'd say for us, uh, we chose to deliver most of our content uh, synchronously, whereas other departments tended to move towards asynchronous uh, delivery of content. So that was just kind of a choice often made based upon what was best or easiest for that particular discipline. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges has been classes that have labs. So for example, our electrical engineers have really struggled because you gotta be in a lab where you can hack hardware and the cadets don't have access to that. So they've been very creative about using uh, simulators to simulate circuits and the things that they need to accomplish. Uh, but again, for us, it's been it's been pretty straightforward and we're actually continuing to deliver content remotely. I think even we're seeing the opportunity as a way, like when cadets are away from the academy, instead of them having to miss class, they might be able to attend remotely or even if nothing else, be provided recordings that are done asynchronously for them. Right. Now, did any of you experience loading problems? So we, we had two two kind of series of problems that we saw with, with clients uh, largely. One was capacity, right? So they, they just either hardware, license-wise, whatever it was for their, their remote access solution, they'd never planned for, you know, all 8,000 employees to be doing that at the same time. The other piece, um, and, and it was weird to me because I, I don't think that way. I'm so used to everybody having a laptop around me. Um, a lot of large, large companies, um, they don't. They're, you know, small, small desktop computers, things like this. So some of them resorted to actually just boxing people's computers up and sending them home with them with some idea that somehow they were going to be able to hook that up and make it work at home. Uh, so, so the after effect we saw of that was help desks that were trying to get themselves set up to operate remotely were just getting flooded out with people who were like, I don't know what this cord is for. You know, it's blue. Where does it go? And, you know, and, and trying to, to debug that sort of thing in, in an environment that they couldn't see, you know, everybody's home environment, you know, completely different. Uh, I don't know if you've all experienced any of that sort of trauma. I'll chime in on that one. Yeah, we definitely experienced that here because the decision to not bring the Corps of Cadets back from spring break meant that none of them, except for a handful, had their laptops. So literally they're tactical officers. These are actual Army officers who are in charge of kind of the the daily welfare of, of a group of cadets, about 120 of them, literally went into their rooms, boxed up their computers and shipped them. Um, so that was one big piece. The good thing is being Office 365, they were able to join things, even if they just had an iPad or a cell phone, they were able to do a lot that way. So that was good. Uh, we did do some load testing, for example, when we gave, uh, we, we gave a final exam, we call it term end exam, and it was to 530 people on Blackboard Collaborate with monitoring. And so we did some load testing on that to make sure that that wasn't going to you know, absolutely kill the system. The other thing we did run into is that we didn't have enough licenses for, Black, for, um, for the Blackboard monitor. I'm sorry, respond to Slackdown browser monitoring. Uh, we'd only had, I think, a couple hundred licenses. But uh, luckily, we were very quickly able to get in touch with those folks, and we got it increased to where we could, you know, do 530 all at once. So, yeah, we definitely ran into that. But, again, fortunate in that we were off the drain, and we were able to, uh, to use, you know, kind of bring your own device in a lot of cases. Yeah, well, this comment is interesting. I'm currently, I just finished taking a course at Community College and Network, and my course was all online. But most of the courses are in person. And in the middle of the semester, they had to switch. They, they, we used the lockdown browser that you mentioned. Um, 
see Blackboard, and they, I, didn't, I did not see a capacity problem. I was very impressed, very impressed. This is Community College of Baltimore County, and they've got five campuses. So, I mean, it's not a small footprint. Yeah, no, they're, they're a, a big operation there. You have to take network engineers. You have to understand them. They don't speak English. So you take a course in networking, and now I can talk with them. Uh, I love the hardware guys. Come on. Well, I think for us, uh, um, I was in I was involved in some calls early on with a lot of the other retail industry, and and um, and there was some challenges across the board. What you were talking about, Brian, with desktops and and you know no VPNs and um, well, a lot of the vendors stepped up too. I mean, Citrix and, and mm -hmm. some of the other VPN vendors just went, you know, look, we're we're just shooting licenses out to you. We'll catch up with you later. Yeah, and, and so so that was a challenge initially. We had. We were laptop across the board, so we didn't suffer from that. And, and the other thing that helped us is a lot of our applications are our SaaS applications. So uh, that being the case, you don't need VPN to access them. So we were we were able to just you know uh, limit the VPN access to those that needed it for critical business functions, and and so it, it helped ease the burden on the VPN. Um, plus, like you said, a lot of the vendors have been really uh, really lenient on, you know, license agreements and thresholds and things like that, that, uh, um, that are helping, you know, uh, customers, you know, get past their, uh, license agreements. One of the, uh, interesting things that we've started to see recently was, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, we have the whole connected fitness side of the business with, you know, you know, the, uh, Matt, my fitness and the, my fitness pal and things like that. And, and, um, and we've started, exceeding our thresholds for our um, web security applications. I mean, it doesn't impact anything because we're just upping the thresholds, but I mean, it's an interesting trend because as folks aren't going into the stores and folks are starting to visit our e-commerce sites more and, and folks are starting to be more active because they're at home, they're using our, our tracking apps more. And so we're seeing, you know, record numbers of enrollments in, in MyFitnessPal and, and, and at MyFitness and we've, we've started these healthy at home campaigns where we give free workout ideas for folks to do at home. And so we're seeing just that volume, a huge volume has exceeded what any of our, um, any of our estimates, you know, so it's, it's just a, just a kind of interesting trend you see across the board. Yeah. There's a lot of unexpected consequences. That's question two. We'll get to that one though. Uh, Colonel Estes, since you're sort of representing higher education here, what's, What's what's going on with higher education? Where are you guys going? What are you planning? All that. So, sort of from the perspective, well, one thing I will chime in that Matt mentioned that, that we've seen as well has been that a lot of vendors really have been pretty generous about things. One of the other things we ran into was um, cadets didn't have their textbooks, and we had readings out of the textbooks. And you'd reach out to publishers, and they're like, "Here, here, here you go. Here's free downloads," because we could prove that we they purchased the textbook at one time. Right. So that was something that was really um, was great and generous of them to be able to do. A big thing there was the security element. For example, one, one publisher gave us the PDF and said, please try not to let this get out. And so we put that, we made it a read only um, on the cadets uh, network. So they could get to it, use it, have it as a resource, but they couldn't distribute it. And that, that was a good thing. I'm sort of, you know, taking yeah. a lot of pictures and stringing them together. Definitely but in terms of sort out your good vendors from your bad vendors. Right. Some horror stories from others where they went to the vendor and went, help me out. And the vendor went, send us a All bunch right. of money. But I think um, the good news, uh, you know, for us from, from the higher education perspective, I've not only got my own perspective, but I've got a daughter who's uh, going to be a junior at Berkeley. Now she's technically a junior, finished her last final the other day. 
and to hear what, what different college kids are going through at different universities compared to us. So some of the big things that we've seen has been some universities have chosen to go to pass-fail or at least give their students the option to choose to go pass-fail or to choose to stay with letter grades based upon the, the, the challenges presented by this remote uh, learning environment. We here at the Military Academy chose not to do that. However, we have been, uh, we, we have had cadets who have had some um, really difficult situations in their home life in terms of not having bandwidth. We've had parents lose jobs. You know, the, the cadet is having to provide for, help take care of the family. So in cases like that, we've given them the opportunity to withdraw from a course or to take an NC and then complete it at a later time when they're in a better situation. Uh, we actually had a few cadets come back because their situation was so challenging. They were able to get an exception of policy to be physically located at the academy and reduce the burden for their families where there's a lot of kids and two parents without a job and trying to provide for so many people. Um, but what we've seen across the board is you know, if you've been watching the news, of course, some institutions have already chosen to go remote already in the fall. Uh, we have not made any decision like that. Our, we're currently working multiple plans for the future. So as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, we've had some talk about, you know, normally at, at West Point, we only have 18 people in, in the average classroom, which is much smaller than what you're used to at a typical university. That's just the way we are and the way we're structured. Uh, we're, we're talking currently about potentially having half, half the number of students in a classroom. So perhaps you'll have nine physically in a classroom designed for 18, and the other nine might be in the barracks working remotely with the same class. So there's been talk about that. One of the big things that we see if we go that route is going to be the need for high quality, I mean, I'm just talking with my computer speaker right now, but you know, high quality audiovisual, the possibility of having uh, rooms rigged to be videoed, um, you know, where the instructor can perhaps just push the button and the video begins, and then they don't have to do, we don't have to have a person in there doing the video sessions. So there's been talk about that. One of the other big things we've done from the remote perspective, a lot of instructors, we're using laptops primarily, and so a lot of our instructors have requested like the Wacoms where you can actually, you know, draw using the, and that's, we've put in several orders for those and, and literally been piloting using those because it kind of provides a more interactive environment with the students. One of the biggest challenges also has been that interaction. So we've all been very quickly learning to use the tools that are provided and collaborate in teams, you know, raising your hand smiley faces or, you know, unhappy faces if you understand or don't understand something that's going on, using polling, uh, just to keep them involved in the conversation. Because as, as we all know, it's very easy to hit mute, turn off your video and, you know, kind of do that. So we're trying to keep it as interactive as possible. And as I'd said earlier, our, our programs that really need that physical in-person presence for things like labs where you, you actually have to do something physical in, in the classroom we're trying to come up with creative ways to still get the educational content of that interaction without having to do it in person. So a lot of looking into simulators that are out there for, you know, you, you name it, physics, chemistry, electrical engineering, uh, any way we can simulate, you know, you, you, you mix these particular chemicals and you get this particular output or this particular third chemical. Um, they're, they're trying to find the best ways to do that. And I think uh, here at the military Academy, they've been very creative about that and, I don't expect that to change. So that, that's probably the biggest um, kind of what we're looking at right now in the future. And I, I guess a positive note that I mentioned earlier is that 
you know, we have cadets that are on various, you know, uh, sports teams and clubs. And a lot of times they would miss class because, you know, they're competing against Navy or, or wherever. And they would just miss that class. And there wasn't really a whole lot they could do to make it up. The good news is we've all had to become experts really quickly at delivering remote content. And so we, we've all said, I guess, a good benefit of this is that we plan to probably continue in some fashion to be able to deliver content remotely. And, and the other aspect is, as, as Matt could recall, having taught here at the academy, we get snowed in pretty good once in a while. And we'd have instructors stuck on the other side of the mountain and you're quickly scrambling to cover down. This now opens up a whole possibility to take care of people in that situation. So instructors don't have to risk coming in on a, on a bad weather day to teach. They can still deliver the content. And also for those cadets with their, you know, who are sick in the hospital on a trip, now they're, they're going to be able to have a, a way to get that content. So that, that's a big upshoot of this whole situation. So, so are you doing synchronous or asynchronous content primarily? We in our department have primarily been doing synchronous content and the feedback we've gotten from cadets is that they prefer that. I think yeah. Partly what it's done is it allows them to have a more normally structured day where they feel like there's some structure to their life beyond, you know, being at home and being around siblings and family members. And most of them have appreciated that. Other departments have gone to asynchronous. It's really depended, I think, on the, the, the topic being discussed. And so as computer scientists, it, it was like, oh, yeah, no brainer, we're going to do this online. But other departments have made very different decisions based upon their discipline. And, and even down to the individual instructor, there have been some departments we've talked to where one instructor has chosen to teach synchronously and another's chosen to teach asynchronously. So it, it's been a, a, bit of a, a bit of both, I think, here. Yeah. And watching my daughter go through it, most of her events have been synchronous through Berkeley, uh, running the gamut from political science to physics uh, has, has generally stayed for her anyway, synchronous. And I, I, my, my department head would prefer that we keep it synchronous as much as possible based on that feedback. Yeah, we're gonna be talking to some independent schools here uh, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, the ones that are the most successful right now chose to go synchronous. Parents like it, students like it. It's just a happier thing. We lost your mic. Sorry, sorry. Especially here at the academy where the cadets are so used to an incredible amount of structure. They, they, they're they not used to an unstructured situation. I think, again, they appreciate knowing I need to be somewhere at this time and this time and this time. And then it allows them for when they do have white space to plan it appropriately based on the places that they need to be and need to do. It, it keeps people, it keeps them having kind of a routine. You know, the guys still have to shave and they got to wear a nice collared shirt. It, it just keeps them in that in that slightly more disciplined mode than they would if it was totally asynchronous. Yep. All right, Matt, we're going to get to you. What's going on in the uh, the the retail sports? I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what to, how to completely describe that because it's more than sports. It's retail sporting lifestyle area. Well, not not lifestyle. The the focus performer. Oh, is, is that focus? Write that down. I'm never going to remember that. Yeah, it's just a funny distinction because that you know Under Armour has has really taken a stand to not you know follow the the whole lifestyle trend that um, that a lot of the other fashion industry has gone and, and really just focus our technology and our 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 business on on the focus performer. You know, uh, functional workout clothes that are uh, um, you know that are. Uh, you know, helpful in, in 
improving you as an athlete, you know? And so, uh, but anyway, regardless, uh, the, uh, um, you know, as you could imagine, we've taken a pretty huge hit. I mean, I think every retail industry, uh, except for like groceries has, has taken a hit and, and it's, and it's expected, you know, when, 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 with all the uncertainty, uh, that's, that's out there, um, people are, you know, aren't looking to buy shirts and shoes. They're, they're looking to buy, you know, toilet paper and milk. And, uh, um, and so, uh, alcohol. So, I have liquor well, stores on in three weeks. He's up like true. 700%. That, that's true alcohol the commissary just got toilet paper i'm just saying anyway <laughs> right and so uh um but but you know surprisingly um we are you know our, our e-com numbers are up and so you know people are actually shopping and i think it's because people are more active at home i mean our our numbers aren't what they what they were before but you know that's like i said that's expected but uh um, but it's good to see that, that consumers are still thinking about, uh, you know, maintaining fitness and and um, and uh, and using the time to be more active. I think it's funny, uh, you know, I'm I'm usually out in the neighborhood running, and I and I see people I've never seen before, you know, and yes. and I'm like, I didn't even yeah. know these people lived in this area, but you know, it's, it, which is a good thing. It's a good thing that people are getting outside more. It's unfortunate that a pandemic had to cause it. But, uh, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a, an overall improved lifestyle. And I think, you know, um, one of the things that Under Armour has done that I really, it's one of the reasons I, when I retired from the army, I, I was really passionate about coming to Under Armour was, uh, was just its, its, its mission and its value system. And, uh, and, you know, we're not selling shirts and shoes, but we're still, actively involved we're not selling as many anyway but we're still actively involved in helping the community i mean we have our our innovation cell that immediately got together and designed uh you know uh 3d masks are not 3d masks uh masks that we could print out on our on our uh um equipment and send to uh healthcare uh organizations throughout the country and uh we're making gowns we're making face uh face shields uh putting together, you know, PPE to ship out. Um, you know, we are, uh, uh, allowing, uh, the Maryland emergency, uh, management association, uh, MEMA to, uh, leverage our, our distribution houses for, uh, shipping of their goods uh, worldwide and using our shipping, uh, network to, uh, to help facilitate that. So, um, just lots of cool things that, you know, make, make you kind of glad to be part of the team, um, that are happening despite the fact that, uh, you know, the retail numbers aren't where everyone would hope they'd be. Um, you know, and, and, and I think it's going to be some time before, you know, well, what is normal, but, but before things start getting back to normal, because we get to what normal is going to be. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, just because we're going to, uh, um, it's going to be a slow awakening, you know? Yeah. All right, so this is my favorite question. Question number two, I'm coming back around to you, Jim. Um, but uh, what was the unexpected thing that you just, just didn't see coming uh, with, with this whole you know, transition? And uh, how, how'd you solve it? Wow. I mean, to be honest, everything's unexpected. You know, having to adjust how we work with our clients, having to adjust you know, what we do day to day. I haven't seen my business partner in person in months, you know, and, and this is a guy that I, I'm always working with either here or on the road. Um, we joked about 
renting an RV so we could drive out to the client site in Chicago and was parking the sleep in the parking lot. Um, so it, it, it's a, it seems like it's a constant adjustment. I did want to make a remark in this notion of synchronous and asynchronous. Um, as we've said, a lot of what I do could be done asynchronously. I can send a, a letter to the client. They could answer the questions you know, when it was convenient or here's the latest version of the assessment. They'll review it in their own time. But there's a value in synchronicity. There's no question about it. And Brian, you do ta tabletop exercises. So do I. Even if you do it in Zoom, you're missing something. If you've got everybody in a room, big, big round table, they, they see you when you start frowning and you say, I wonder what's wrong. What, what, what am I not seeing? And you lose that because you've got too many screens with too many people. Yep. So there's high value in synchronicity. And I think for the, the cadets, some of it is that they, they talk to each other about that day's class. And I didn't understand this. Oh, here's what we need to do. And, and you kind of lose some of that. You know? yeah. So everything's disruptive. And, but the good news is I'm of the right age, so I can go in during the senior hour. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we did a large, uh, large scale TTX for a client full day one. Uh, first time I'd ever had to deliver one completely virtual like that. I mean, usually there's some aspect of a few people, you know, dialed in or something like that. Um, and it was brutal um, because we had over 50 participants, um, just just timing to get everybody on. And then invariably, you know, somebody have a question for department X. And that was when they dropped offline unexpectedly. So we're trying to get, you know, just, just there was, you know, and, and like you said, you can't really look at a person's face quite that well and go, you know, I don't think they get it or, and they don't feel like they can ask a question either. Yeah. Um, we, I, I just was a, supposed to be at a conference last week, three days on cybersecurity and security and audit. And um, we did the whole thing remote. They recorded it in advance. So I'm watching myself present. And the audience is, is, and this is on a product called On24, they're asking questions in the chat box. And you can't keep up. I mean, yeah. it's not the same. You know? Yeah, doing a lot of speaking engagements, and I really dislike doing it now because I'm staring at my own PowerPoint, listening to myself in my own headphones. I can't see any of the 300 people that are logged in. And I know somebody's got a question. And none of my jokes are funny because I didn't think they were funny to begin with. Uh, it just, you know, it just, it just, it doesn't work. And then I, I have this, really Brian, that really doesn't thing. have to do with the situation we're in. It, you know, it could be, uh, <laughs> but, it, but at the end, yeah, you, you just, without that feedback, I mean, you know, it's, it's an impossible situation, but, uh, Colonel, what about you? What, uh, what came up that you just blindsided and how'd you handle that? Um, I think the, the one th I'm dealing with it right now, uh, we had, you know, we had cadets interacting probably more so. So we have an honor code here as, as you probably know, uh, cadet will not lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. And when it comes to documenting assistance that you receive from others, it's always really clear cut. You know, anything you get from your instructor, your textbook, you don't have to document. But if you get it from somebody else, you've got to document it. And we had a lot of cadets having these group chats and group conversations. And I think in some cases, they lost sight of the fact that, oh, the instructor's not here. We need to document this. So um, a little bit of nudging in that regard to kind of remind people like, hey, you know, this still applies. And just because you're having this conversation, you know, via FaceTime or, or Zoom or whatever, doesn't mean that that, that doesn't apply. Um, 
I think some of the other surprising things has been, uh, even though I have got a great team and we love interacting in person a lot, it doesn't always happen. It, it's, you know, I, I work in a department of introverts. I'm one of the only extroverts. And people tend to kind of, you know, get in their offices and, and do their work. And so we've had like a lot more, I don't want to say forced conversations, but somewhat where we're like, you know, we, it's very easy to just have a quick online meeting than it is to have a meeting in person, if that makes any sense. It's less painful, I think, for people. So I find that my faculty, we've all been interacting a lot more frequently. And that's been, that's been a good thing because there have been, there've been trends we've noticed among the cadets in their work and in solutions that they've provided to various problems that we might not normally have caught or discovered in the past. And we were able to like say, hey, are you seeing cadets do this? Oh yeah, I am seeing that, that's weird. And then another instructor say, oh yeah, I showed them how to do that. Because partly the other thing that's happening is cadets can still, we, we record every, um, every class and they hang and they stay up there and a cadet can access any of those. They don't have to be in that section to watch another instructor's uh, content. And so that's been kind of interesting because it's like you find out that they're watching somebody else's videos and getting this idea that you didn't put out, but then you're like, oh, that's okay. At least it came from one of our folks. Um, so that's been kind of a surprising thing, just that, you know, they're, they're picking up things that you may not be aware of because you didn't say it in your classroom, but then you find out they're watching somebody else's videos. And that's been, you know, kind of, kind of useful, but also, like I said, it, been troubling at times. We've had to like, you know, double back and make sure everything was was okay. Do you think it's going to long-term build a, build a better, more rounded officer potentially with a lot of different voices? Um, I think so. So one of the things that we always tell the cadets here is, you know, we, we tell them, we encourage them to get help from their instructor. We call it additional instruction or AI. And sometimes you know, you'll have a cadet where the instructor-cadet relationship, it's like for whatever reason, they don't feel comfortable approaching the instructor or they don't feel comfortable, that they're not getting what they need from that instructor. And so we've always made it pretty open, like, hey, if you need to talk to somebody else because you might get it better from someone else, do that. And I think because we have all these recordings hanging out there, it's really easy for a cadet to say, well, let me see what major so-and-so had to say about the topic. And, uh, so, and that's a good thing. I do, I do, I will say that one thing we're talking about doing is kind of changing our approach to things like, well, how do you cite assistance that you might've gotten by watching another instructor's video? Or how do you cite properly a conversation where you don't remember exactly what you got? You know, like keeping track of these things. Maybe you say, hey, if you're gonna talk with your friends, record it so that when it comes time to turn in your work, you know who you got help from. Uh, things like that. So that, that was a little bit surprising. Um, in retrospect, it makes sense that, that happened, but uh, it was a li little surprising from our end for that. It's definitely interesting and unique uh, to your industry there. Industry. Um, <laughs> Matt, um, what, what about you? What was, what was the bus that came out of the dark? So so first I have to ask Tanya, how, how are they doing uh, Beast this year? How are they doing? Oh, how are they doing Beast? Yeah. Well, I, there's a lot of different con-ops. Beast Barracks, by the way, is... Yeah, exactly. Explain basic it training. to everybody. It's roughly the equivalent of basic training for soldiers, which we actually... They have been doing basic training throughout this using social distancing. I mean, you see drill sergeants with the mask on yelling at, you know, at, at soldiers. It's pretty funny. They're making it happen. Uh, we're, we're going to be doing the same thing here. We will have Beast Barracks. Uh, there are some, some plans in place that if we have someone come in 
uh, with any kind of symptoms or anything like that. They're obviously going to be isolated and cared for. Uh, as we're bringing back the cadets, we're bringing them back in waves and making sure that they're self-isolated for at least a couple of weeks prior to them commingling with one another. So um, Bar Beast is going to be shortened. Uh, there's just nothing we can do about it. Buckner, which is the second summer of training, also greatly shortened. Um, but we are still planning to, to have training events. There's only been a few things that have had to be flat out canceled. Uh, and those events, like, like my daughter's Naval ROTC, and she's supposed to be on her summer cruise right now, which she's really bummed about on a, you know, on a real Navy ship. Um, so a lot of the ROTCs, ROTCs have just canceled much of their training for the summer. Uh, and in our case, we, were able, we picked the things that we could, you know, allow to slip or have alternate events to replace them that would still meet the requirements, not to the same level, but at least still meet the intent of why they have that training event in the first place. So I, I, I'm not as involved in those con ops because I've been literally focusing on delivering, you know, academic content, but I, but I've tuned into them and I hear things. And so that, that's what we're hearing. Um, and I, I can't remember what our day is going to be. They did move it to the right reception day, the day our, our new cadets first show up, but uh, they're working it, Matt. And, and again, I'm sorry, I'm not one of the big planners, but it's out there. I suspect after the first 14 days and they can forego social distancing since they don't interact with anyone but each other anyway. That's right. Well, there's already one joke uh, that I saw posted on Facebook that it said, you know, step up to within six feet of my line. Do not step so, yes, social distancing for the cadet in the red sash. Uh, Come up so to within six feet of my line. The, the so gray was, line is long, though. It'll survive this. It's survived it before. It, yeah. So I, I think as far as, uh, you know, to answer your question, Brian, I think as far as the things that were most unexpected for me were the fact that uh, I realized how horrible my office situation uh, was, uh, you know, because my previous, uh, you know, X number of years, uh, I couldn't take any work home. So I really didn't have a good office. Mm -hmm. setup. And so uh, um, so what you can't see is behind the camera, my uh, my laptop set up on a bar. <laughs> So you might call that a win. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's kind of a tough I don't think that's a bad thing, Matt. No, I mean, I'm, I'm five feet from my bar, a.k.a. My, refrigerator. My second monitor is sitting on top of a case of beer. So, you know, it's not all bad. Um, but, uh, but anyway, other than that, you know, it really, for, for cyber folks, it's, it wasn't a big transition. You know, uh, we work remotely all the time. It's just, a, you know, what it did was it allowed us, you know, uh, to, to forego the commute. Um, and so the one thing that we, that we are lacking though, is, is, you know, our team is, is a really close team and, uh, um, and there's a lot of office banter that goes on because we have a, we have our own, our own isolated workspace that, you know, badge entry, all that kind of stuff. And so, sure. um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you know, free discussions going on in there all the time. And so, um, I really didn't want to miss out on that. So one of the things I, I started doing as soon as we started going working from home was uh, I implemented a number of uh, virtual coffee hours um, or virtual coffee half hour um, multiple times a week just to keep up the ability to do the office banter. And I think that's been a really good thing to just keep. And, and I keep the team keeps telling me that they really appreciate that. And they mention that to other people and people are like, wow, that would be a great idea because we're losing touch with our team. And uh, um, but, but one of the, interesting side effects that I noted was, you know, I have teams in multiple locations. I have the, you know, the corporate team that sits in Baltimore, and then we have the 
connective fitness team that sits down in Austin with the engineers. And, and while, you know, we have a great relationship with them, they're always kind of not as, not as integrated into the team. And so this actually has caused us to get, uh, caused the entire team to work a lot closer and get to know each other a lot better because now we're including that team in our, in, in our, uh, you know, virtual coffee uh, breaks and things like that, that they weren't normally included in before. And so, uh, so I just thought that was an interesting side effect of, of being, of working from home is, is actually pulling the team closer together as a, as a whole. Yeah. The office thing that you brought up, it's interesting. So in larger companies, uh, notice this, you know, for your, for your senior executives, your, your, your more senior uh, management, things like that, the, the work from home office, not a big deal, right? They've, they've got a room for that. They, they've got equipment for that, that, um, but when I've talked to some of the people at the at the lower end of the the uh, the employment ladder, there uh, newer employees, things like that, they don't have that. You know, there's uh, there's three developers all sharing a two bedroom apartment, and uh, you know they they have to switch who gets to sit at the the kitchen table for uh, you know for a, a a Zoom meeting or something like that. Um, and things like that. I had an employee of my own come in uh, last week and ask if he could uh, take his chair home. Uh, is his wife both work. His wife had assumed the office, and he's been sitting on a stool for the last four weeks. <laughs> it never occurred to me. I was like, "Just take anything you want," but uh, just you know, some some strange environments out there that people have had to work out of and, and things like that. Yeah, that's been one thing. I'm missing my work chair. I'm sitting on a dining room chair, and I really ought to swap it out because it's it's you notice like your back is uncomfortable more so than it would be normally. So yeah, that that's been a silly thing that I probably should go pick up my chair. <laughs> yeah, just just little things that you don't think about that uh, you know. Uh, the other complaint the, the that great, I heard was the great thing about the the great thing about the bar is it it can double as a sit stand desk. <laughs> is that the only great thing about it, Matt? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! All right, uh, let me move on to my favorite question. Well, I don't know if it's my favorite question. I kind of like two better than I like four. But um, coming back around to you, Jim. Uh, future for your industry, your company in particular, what's it, what's it look like? You're muted, Jim. We had that discussion with one of our clients it was when they were asking us, when did we think we'll be able to fly again? And I scratched my head because I, I, I haven't seen good things, although the airfares are really low, but you know, the question of safety is, is a big issue. And, and you get into a hotel, you know, is it being well taken care of? How do you know? So that, that's, that's a concern and a challenge. Um, again, getting back to some, some form of synchronicity is, is, is a, still is a challenge. Um, I, I did want to make a mention. A, I have a friend who's an engineer at an electrical manufacturing company, a defense contractor. And when you brought that up, Tanya, about the electrical engineering lab, they have half of the team works Monday, Wednesday, the other half works Tuesday, Thursday, and anybody can skip if they want to just come in at night and work at night so that they keep as much distancing as possible. And I think maybe that's what we would see is, you know, instead of having 30 people in a room for a conference, maybe we just go and have four people and we keep the distance so we know that we can synchronize but keep the group smaller. So uh, that's what I'm thinking. That's a great point, Jim. That might be a, a way forward for us. It's hard to say at this point. Yeah. I've been using that as my barometer question for people is how long is it going to be before you're willing to stand in a room of 50 people again? 
Oof. And you're like, oh, 50, that's that's a lot of people. I don't know. A lot of it depends. I mean, you know, we're, we're being on post here. We're very socially isolated normally. So it hasn't been that, you know, we've all been kind of existing for the last two months in this little bubble here. Getting together with 50 people who have been here for the last two months. Yeah, I'd be totally comfortable doing that. Doing it with people from the outside, not so much because we're right outside of New York City where this has been, you know, really hard hit. Right. Yeah. What about the company, Jim? Company uh, going to survive its way through this? You, you uh, and Jim still going to, you know, get the bus and travel around? Uh, uh, we we certainly hope so. We we've got a pipeline that looks pretty good for the next six months. Although one deal we expected to start next week has been postponed indefinitely. Not for the re- this reason, but just for the, the changing priorities. So you guys don't know this, but Jim's partner is also Jim. So we. It's Jim and Jim. Our, our clients call us the Jims. The Jims show up and, and then they leave and you have excellent policy. Um, so that's how that works. Colonel, what about uh, for you? The, the point's going to survive no matter what. Yeah, I don't, I mean, this isn't going to change. I, I think, as I've already said, there, there's going to be changes. And I think the good news is we're going to take everything we've learned from this and continue to put it into practice in the future. So heaven forbid there's a round two, which people are forecasting. The good news is we already know how to deal with this. It's not going to be this, you know, I think we got hit the first time and this was all brand new for everyone. Uh, and, and I do know being a member of the military, when I was down at Fort Rucker, they actually had a, a plan for a pandemic. And I was involved in, in a run through of that. And I look back, and this is like 10 years ago. And, and so it's kind of comical that, you know, then we went through this um, and we actually had this happen. So, you know, I think that now we know what this looks like. We know how we handled it in this instance. It will not be as difficult to simply say, oh, it's pandemic again, roll out what we did in the past. And I think there's a lot, I, I think you're going to see, you know, from a military perspective, we're going to make sure that we have the PPE on hand for everybody, you know, I think every organization is going to do this so that if this happens, we've got that stockpile to go to, to, you know, protect people that need to be protected. I think you're going to see much more medical surveillance just in general. Um, here, the, the kind of the joke is, you know, the cadet, cadets get sick and it goes through the core like wildfire. And then we as instructors catch it. We take it home. Our kids get it. They take it to school. It mutates at school. They give it back to us. And, and it's this vicious cycle. Um, whereas, you know, we, we jokingly say a lot of times the cadets, oh, you're sick, here's your Z-Pack, go away, you know, go to quarters. I think there's probably going to be a little bit more surveillance when you see somebody come in with a fever, when you see somebody come in with, with, with certain symptoms. We are living with a population here that is, is the least impacted for the most part, because you're talking about college kids, very healthy college kids. We have nobody here pretty much that we know of with a pre-existing condition. I think the biggest danger is faculty members who might be in those high-risk categories, and also family members of faculty who might fall into those high-risk categories. And, and that's going to be something that, again, if you're one of those people, perhaps you're teaching remotely more often than in the classroom. But again, we just don't know yet. This is all kind of pre-decisional. And what, what about general, general higher education itself? Um, I, I don't know how much you interact with, with other colleges and universities, but I mean... I think there's going to be a, a kind of a, a huge sea change in what goes on with those. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not sure that a lot of smaller colleges or, you know, we're kind of on the ropes anywhere necessarily going to survive this. 
Yeah, and I mean, we've heard rumors. Um, I'm not in, in a lot of contact with a lot of other universities right now, but we have heard stories that some of the smaller universities are, are going to struggle to make it through this. I, I would believe that the community colleges will probably continue to do pretty well, especially because if you can stay home and be near your family, maybe get that remote content. I think the biggest challenge for college students, again, watching my own daughter go through it, has been the loss of that experience. So one of the big things, as you all know, that college provides is that transition from being um, you know, a, a child to being an adult and paying your own bills and, and renting your first apartment and furnishing your first apartment and all of those, those things that, that you do in college. I think that, that could be a dangerous thing to lose from a generation that oftentimes, you know, you've heard the stories of, you know, the kids staying in their, fa- in their parents' home longer than usual and not learning how to drive, which hasn't been completely true. I mean, I, I haven't seen it with kids around here. But um, the loss of that, I think, would be difficult to deal with uh, going forward. My, my thinking is that most universities that are able are going to have a hybrid approach. They'll have in-person in content and online content. We've seen a lot of universities already delivering, uh, you know, whole degree programs remotely. I, I would expect you'll see even more of that than ever because now they know how to do it. They've had to do it. They had no choice. Um, I think a lot more, but below the college, below the university level, a lot more people I know locally are going to homeschool their kids for the next few years. They've said, hey, we got this figured out now. And, um, you know, I like having my kids here. I don't have to worry about them getting sick. So that's another interesting side effect that I've seen in the neighborhood here. A lot of people homeschool their kids here, but I'm hearing talk about more and more doing it in the future as a result of this. That's an interesting take. All right, Matt, retail performance, fitness enhancement of key, whatever it is. I I see I've lost it already. Where's it going? It's really hard to say where it's going, you know. you know, I think retail obviously will survive because people are going to go back out and people will still want to, you know, look their best and people are going to exercise and will still want to, you know, perform as, as you know, either as somebody who's just trying to improve themselves overall or just somebody who's a, a really, uh, you know, high end performer, you know, you're going to have. So there's going to still be that need and, and there's still that need now. It's just. Uh, um What's going to be more interesting is is what happens to uh, the retail landscape in general. Um, are malls going to survive? Um, you know, uh, that's a huge petri dish of people all in one like place. Fifty-person question again, right? You know, yeah. fifty people. I don't know. And uh, and so you know, it's going to be a long time before before you know people want to go to the mall again, but. But in the, on the flip side of that, there's so much really cool technology that's getting put into the retail space. You know, things like, you know, uh, uh, virtual changing rooms where you can go in and and it'll show you what the outfit looks like when put it on, or or uh, or um, you know, foot scanner that will take your your shoe and and fit you to the you know, best possible size. You just things you can't do online that that are um, that you know hopefully will cause people to go back out and cause people to go to the stores. Cause you know, I think that's where you just get the full experience of, of, um, of, you know, the, the goods and products you're trying to buy the uh, from a corporate perspective um, you know, I think we're going to continue to see um, the, the cloud presence grow. You're going to continue to see 
more and more things moving out. You're going to see our, our, you know, more e-com expanding, more of our uh, people leveraging the, the things like the fitness apps, um, uh, you know, and, and, and even from an internal work perspective, you're going to see, uh, I think, companies starting to evaluate who really needs to be in the office. You know, the innovation folks, they need to be in the office because there's there's specialized equipment that they need to mess with. The, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, different functions don't need to be. Uh, IT doesn't need to be in the office um, you, you, for the most part. Uh, you know, cybersecurity doesn't need to be in the office for the most part. And, and you start kind of asking yourself, you know, well, we want to get back to the office because there is a lot of goodness, you know, that was mentioned um, that Tanya mentioned with, you know, just collaboration among peers. And, and there's also the, you know, you go to the coffee machine and, and you have a conversation with with Jim or Sue that, you know, you've been mean to catch them, but you haven't gotten with them anyway. And so it's a great opportunity to, to talk to them about something that was on your mind versus setting up a deliberate meeting that you have to have with somebody. So a lot of those conversations just aren't taking place. Um, and so, you know, there will eventually be that push to get back into the office, but how much and how often and who all goes, you know, I think is going to be um, things that are, you know, you really have to consider. Because if you're going to the office, at least for now, you're putting on a mask, you're anxious about distance from people. And then by the time you're starting to consider all these different things, you know, and lunch, you know, you know, you get coffee, you know, who's touched the coffee stirs, uh, you know, can I wipe down the coffee machine? Uh, has, you know, who prepared my meal? All those things start to become a distraction from progress and, 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 and getting things done at, at work. So it might, you know, be more distracting and, and less productive to get people back to the office for now than it is to have people just continue to work from home. And so those are the kind of dis discussions that we're, we're having um, within Under Armour is, is, you know, what makes the most sense for productivity uh, to bring people back? So we had the CISO of Levi Strauss on last week, and he specifically mentioned, you know, the impact of basically two losing quarters, right? You know, two, two quarters just cut out of the calendar where sales just, you know, <laughs> were anemic, um, you know, and, and you know, that how, how they were going to weather that, you know, and, and it was just, it was just going to have to be. And there was potentially not a great third or fourth quarter coming. Yeah, we're in the same we're in the same situation, and 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 it's the reality you have to face. And you know, um, it's it's really unfortunate, but uh, you know, the small we're all seeing it. The smaller companies are are, are struggling and and having a hard time surviving. Um, you know, we are fortunate enough that that we're a big enough brand that that um, that we're you know known globally. Um, right. And I just feel so bad for a lot of these small companies, especially the ones that are just getting started that are uh, that are going to suffer um, from this, you know. And that was what they said, too. You know, look, Levi Strauss, 150 plus year old brand. Right. We're, we're going to be here tomorrow. You know, it's it's not going to be a problem. But, you know, there's there's smaller play, bit players that are going to disappear in this. And uh, and to some extent, they were almost looking, you know, they were, you know, not being morbid, they were looking at that as a buying opportunity. You know, there's, there's there's an opportunity to absorb some of those good ideas and good companies, you know, in, in this this time. If, if you're a, a big company with, you know, a, a bigger, uh, bigger nest egg behind you. So 
All right. Well, I greatly appreciate all of you uh, taking an hour out and spending time with me today. I was supposed to say this up front. I always forget. It is the uh, 22nd of May, 2020. So, uh, you know, when we go back and watch these later, people will be like, what are they talking about? Pandemic. Never heard of it. Um, so, uh, but thanks all for being here. Uh, I may call on you later as we have interesting mixes and matches of people uh, moving forward. I really appreciate it. And uh, that is it. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry podcast and make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.